We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into your Monday and game day edition of the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. It's a busy podcast opening up with Andrew Spade, where we're going to go through some of the NFL's biggest games, particularly focusing on the AFC North matchup that happened and the other side of the division between the Ravens and the Bengals and all of the implications around that one. Then we're going to take a little break, come back. Brad Ward will join us. We'll do our usual game day podcast. It's a huge Monday night football contest for your Cleveland Browns with a chance to really end a lot of unfortunate things that have happened in Pittsburgh. It's an awesome opportunity. It's an awesome podcast. Let's get started on the latest OBR Film Breakdown. Watson turns, rolls out to the right, looks open, touchdown! Harrison Bryant, wide open, the tight end on the right side, and with 9-11 left to go in the ballgame, it's beginning to feel like a Browns win today. All right, welcome into a Monday show that is not about your Cleveland Browns winning football game. You know, we don't want to say losing a football game, but I, I hate to tell you they probably won't go 17-0, so we will have to do... Some Monday reviews that involve a Browns loss, but we're on a winning high right now. Your Browns did not play yesterday, but there's a lot of football to cover. And I think getting with Andrew Spade to cover these games in a quick fashion before we get to the game day version is very appropriate given. I think, Andrew, we saw some really important football yesterday and some signs of I like to break the season into quarters, man. You know, for second, third quarter into the fourth quarter, the last I think that's the best way to break it up. And uh, there are some teams that are flirting with danger in the first quarter, right? You can't. You can't win the whole goal of your season in the first quarter of these things, but like I like to say, you can lose it, and, and, and some teams are flirting with danger here. So I welcome you in on this fine Monday morning. We're pretending like it's Monday morning, but we're recording on Sunday. Obviously, Andrew, what's up, dude? It's good to be with you, Jake. Uh, doing well. Had a, a blast watching today's football games. I think when we talked uh, a few days ago, we were a little bit pessimistic about what this Sunday slate was going to be, especially the late games, and they – you know, that big Giants comeback and uh, a few other games really kind of panned out. I thought the Rams gave the 49ers all they could handle. So mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. I, 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 I will be honest and say that I was mostly just glued to my couch today and I have no regrets. Yeah, I made the statement the other day about not um, liking Monday Night Football because I had to wait. I found myself really enjoying just taking in football. Not that I was doing much of that. I was on the move a lot. Like I was watching the Bengals and Ravens game on my phone at a park here and uh outside of Hilliard and and it was uh, you know I'm on the move I'm trying to do the family stuff walking the dog simultaneously but like it's just nice to not be 
there's yin and yang. I like the one o'clock and the consistency of being done and providing the weekly regimental content, right? But like, I do also enjoy taking in other teams and being actually actually able to watch other teams uh, when they're actually airing and be a part of those conversations around those games. So yeah. the huge one was Baltimore Cincinnati, which I, I mean, the biggest takeaway here, Andrew, is you, you had mentioned before we came on the air is, is still this Burrow injury. So, you yeah. know, it's a 27-24 Ravens win. Ravens jumped to 2-0, 1-0 now in the division. And then the Bengals now fall to a a dicey season's not defined, but 0-2 in the division and 0-2 overall is not in any place that they wanted to be. And I'm sure there was a heavy conversation around there about coming out of this stretch 1-1. One one. They're 0-2, but the Burrow re-aggravating the calf is a massive concern, right? Yeah, I think to me that puts a spin on it because last week you could kind of go you know, through that Browns game and the weather and everything and kind of say, well, it's week one. And, you know, we, it, at least, at least, you know, at least we didn't get, we didn't have any injuries, you know, and, and so it's one game and you, you kind of, you kind of set it aside and move on. Well, now it's two games, two divisional games. We only get six of those. So they're a third of the way through their divisional schedule and they're own two. And then, you know, re-aggravating the injury now means that, I mean, even if he's able to play, I think it's been clear, you know, we talked about this last week when, when you, when we looked at the the film, it was obvious he wasn't his normal self in terms of getting out and running. I thought he also looked limited in that regard today, um, a little bit better, but then obviously, uh, I think he, he got weirdly, he got more beat up today than he did last week, just because of some of the stuff he was having to do to kind of try and keep them in, in drives and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, so now he's got this reaggravation, and whether they have to sit him for a week or two, or whether they keep running him out there, and and he is a little bit more of a statue pocket quarterback. Either way, it really affects what the Bengals are as a team because, as much as you know, a lot of it does run through their wide receiver talent. It it also largely comes down to his ability to move within the pocket and outside of the pocket to make that wide receiver talent pay off. And so um, it, I think it's just a, a significant concern because the Bengals are Joe Burrow to a large extent. And I think we've kind of seen that as he's struggled over the past two weeks that that they really need him to be, you know, a, 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 a significant player for them, for them to win football games, despite all the talent that they do have at the receiver position. Well, you you think about, you know, going back to LSU, Joe Burrow, which I'm sure you can attest to this, you know, Burrow was a fun prospect because he could, he could carve people up, but he had this ability. And I, I almost think people gave him that label of like a mobile, not a, not a, not a two way type, but like a mobile uh, Tom Brady comparisons, what people tried to label it as, right? Like a very cerebral, calm mechanics based, put the football in places. It's supposed to be not necessarily crazy arm strength, but you know, I, I think we're, I, I'm uh, pretty much was out there. And when you take away his ability to be mobile, not just not just for the the sake of you know being mobile within the pocket, but his ability to get out and pick up pick up some of those dicey situation first downs, right? Like, yeah, you know, I think that at halftime of this game, Andrew, the Bengals had four first downs, yep. and Burrow had a net thirty five yards passing. So, you know, if you take away this Charlie Jones eighty one yard punt return. The Bengals had, like I said, four first downs. The Ravens had 17 first downs, 225 yards to the 63. It should have been a 10-0 game at the half. And Tucker missed a field goal in that yep. first half. Yep. So 
I thought the Bengals were lucky to even be in that thing to begin with. Now, in the second half, I thought Joe turned it around a little bit, and, and largely that's because you know it was after the, the ugly red zone interception he threw that, yeah. that put them in an even worse hole where he didn't even identify the safety and Geno Smith or Geno Stone, I'm sorry, was just sitting on it. I don't I don't know, man. Like the thing that's funny to me when you see the you know reactions from people across the league about Burrow, about the performance of where their offense is, you see people like I'm not gonna say who it is, but these popular little um news breaking accounts that that put out well the Bengals were under center one time all day if you go back and look at last year the Bengals offense was broken until they went pretty heavy shotgun and I asked Jake Liskow the question before the Bengals game opener uh, Andrew I asked him I said you know are they going to just run it back as is because uh, I think that there was just a belief there that they could just continue to do the things they have doing how they are doing them and they would be fine. And it's proving to be that teams have a pretty good feel for what they're doing, a pretty good feel to how, for how to confuse Burrow. And when yeah. you take away some of what makes Joe Joe, you run into this situation. But on top of that, I mean, the Ravens ran, the, the Browns ran for 202 last week. The Ravens ran for 178. Yep. They have a run defense issue here. I mean, mm -hmm. Lamar tax on 54, but you got to stop them. They're a part of it. Deshaun ran for 45. It's a part of it. So can't excuse it. I was disappointed with the performance of the Bengals defense. I don't think yeah, that too. the Ravens did anything uh, particularly. It was all, it was it, from that side of it in terms of what the Bengals defense faced. I felt like it was pretty similar to last week in terms of just, you know, the Ravens did a good job of keeping themselves on the field, executing longer drives, kind of putting stringing plays together, uh, relied on Lamar a ton, you know, mm -hmm. in third down situations as they always have. Um, you know, I mean, it's funny, like talking about the Ravens for just a second that we, we kind of, we kind of poked this preseason of this, this narrative around Todd Munkin coming in and like, it's going to be the best of both worlds. It's going to be the, it's going to be the, uh, an all-star offense of, of Greg Roman run concepts and Todd Munkin, you know, T Tampa Bay deep passing and man, they, they look, they look 90% the same as they did years past. I think the only thing that I see that really jumps out to me is, Zay Flowers has a ton of pop, you know, and so yeah. like they haven't had that in the wide receiver room and that's great. So, I mean, it's, he, he definitely is a difference maker and, uh, but, but their offense still comes down to, uh, it's third and six. Hey, Lamar, <laughs> what do you, what do you yeah, got? Find an answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's that. So I, from that perspective, I was disappointed because I thought the Bengals would be prepared for that. I think they're doing less designed quarterback run. I yeah, thought they Lamar are. did a lot of chaos stuff. Like I don't see them. Let, let me put it this way. I am not in any way impressed with a the personnel yep. to do more of the traditional NFL 11, 12 personnel things they're doing. Right. And it's still like you said, which is what they ran into last year where it's third and deciding number, whatever it is, mm -hmm. Lamar, make it happen somehow. And, yep. and again, it's going to be some weeks that's going to work some weeks. It's not going to work, but I wasn't blown away by anything. Baltimore did offensively other than I just think Lamar is an absolute weapon yeah. that is one of the toughest players to defend and maybe you don't have to be all too all too crazy other than designing a relatively competent passing game for him but the part that made the Ravens so difficult um, and can be their downfall in bigger games late in the year playoffs etc is that they had this super unique triple option based stuff that they were throwing at right. you at times that made you prepare more. And they, now they make you 
prepare a little less, we'll see if it matters. We'll yeah. see if it, I just didn't leave that game being like, man, the Ravens are tough to figure out. Like I thought right. that they just, I thought Cincinnati just didn't really find answers in the passing game and, and something's off with Jamar chase. Mm-hmm. Something just, something seems off with him. Um, uh, so I don't know. I, I, again, those yeah. two teams that, that, that are the, the, again, the top of this division's preseason discussion, the Browns have had one of them. Yeah. I, I really look forward to week four with Baltimore. I really Definitely. do. I think it's going to be a fun home game and, mm-hmm. and uh, a good barometer, right? So yes, a great yeah. early season measuring stick uh, much. I mean, I think obviously our thoughts are all focused on Monday night in Pittsburgh, but in terms of like how the season plays out that week four matchup is feels much more meaningful. I think there's a, there's definitely a world in which the Browns lose in Pittsburgh and it doesn't mean a ton for their season just because of who the Steelers are. But I think that Ravens Browns game will be a real measuring stick type game in the same way that I think the, the week one game against Cincinnati was, I just want one more thing on this game before we move on. Um, The, the Bengals have the Rams at home and then they go to Tennessee, they go to Arizona and then they've got the Seahawks at home. So four, you know, I, you wouldn't call any of those games, you know, too too challenging, right? And then they've got the, in theory, the, those right. teams are playing hard. Well, right? I'm just I'm just saying in terms of what you do with Burrow, right? Because Agreed. because then Agreed. it's 49ers Bills, and then two weeks later it's the return date with the Ravens and then the Steelers. So if you're thinking about if he needs six weeks, this is the opportunity, right? This is in if you look at their schedule overall, you know they've got the Chiefs week 17 again. So, so their, their, their soft schedule is basically has arrived, right? It's between now and when they, they go to San Francisco at the end of October. So it's just, I thought, I think it's worth mentioning that if you're, if we're looking for a time, if they did need to shut Joe down for a while, cause there's a bye week in there too, right? So they could get, they could get him five weeks off if he didn't play again until they went to San Francisco, uh, the day before or two days before Halloween, just wanted to mention it. It's a mess. It, it, that injury and being owned to now, if they'd have come out of this one and one, yeah, you you would feel a little more optimistic about sit. But I don't, I don't know, man. He, they probably he can't afford look, to do it. Yeah, yeah. So it's Jake Browning, and you're trying to say, can Jake Browning win us two of those games? Yeah, you know, to keep us in a yeah. outside shot to chase a wild card. I just, I'm not envious of the position there, and it's a very dicey position. And the Ravens, I will say, the thing that was most jarring is that the Ravens' offensive line beat up. They held Cincinnati in check. Really, I didn't see Hendrickson didn't have a pressure all game, you know. So surprising the Ravens um, for your week three consideration, which we'll dig into later. They they get Indy week three, which is I hate to say this, uh, probably the right time to get them because Anthony mm-hmm. Richardson, who so dynamic, another game the the Colts beat uh, the Texans thirty one twenty was phenomenal. Couple rushing touchdowns. I think he had a passing touchdown. Or he did not, but he was six of ten when he left. But he had. At that time, 35 he rushing yards and two touchdowns. He looked good, man. And uh, he leaves with a concussion. So, again, the Browns get them, what, like week seven? So, it's yeah. like, when do you get a team? Is it the right time to get them? And there's a chance. And Baltimore deserves credit because Baltimore was shorthanded. I mean, they were going to that game, and I think totally. a lot of us thought that that totally. was going to be a Bengals home win, right? So, they deserve some credit. So, we'll we'll see if they take care of business because Indy is tricky. They're they're really tricky. They've given teams like KC fits. They've given they, uh, Jacksonville in the opener. Mm-hmm. They fight. They play mm-hmm. hard. So, yeah. Uh, we'll see. And Gardner Minshew's not, you know, he went 19 of 23 for 171 and a touchdown today. He's more than capable, right? He is not he's more than capable. Yeah, he is a he's a he's a backup. He's a quality backup is the way to say that. Uh, yeah, he, yep. he can absolutely move the ball. Um, I, I just, you know, if we're going to talk about Indianapolis for a second, just big picture stuff. 
I, I can't believe that they put themselves in this position with Jonathan Taylor because you got to think with Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, it, it lessens the chance of, of an injury for the, you know, for the quarterback. They're probably mm-hmm. two and O because they, they had a chance to win that game against Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, they have short changed themselves so much by screwing around with that guy's money and for no apparent reason, right? Because there's no, nobody's saying he's not a good running back. It's just whether or not you you pay him coming off of a year when the Colts weren't that good. So just, just a, a real self-sabotage. When you're talking about the big picture here is making Anthony Richardson into a above average NFL starter. And the number one way you do that is you keep him safe and running the ball effectively keeps quarterbacks safe. We know that. The best place for Jonathan Taylor when you looked around the league was yeah, Indy. And exactly. he just made the most sense. It's exactly. a shame that that fell apart. I will give CJ Stroud some credit. Got to watch that. Might've been a bunch of empty stuff there, but 30 of 47, 384, two touchdowns, pretty strong performance from that. Big rookie. numbers. Um, big numbers. Continuing the big numbers of quarterbacks around the league. want to give a shout out as we're doing this recap of, um, you know, Tampa Bay's 2-0. and And I feel pretty good about my laughed at preseason prediction of Tampa Bay at this point. I just want to, just want to pat myself on the back a little Definitely. bit here. Uh, Baker Mayfield, man, um, pressured a ton. Had like something like 17 drop back pressures he had to deal with. Navigated that 26 of 34, 317, a touchdown. Uh, Mike Evans continues to be one of the most slept on historical wide receivers. He puts up six catches, 171 and a touchdown. So yep. I just wanted to give Baker a little love in there. 2-0, 0 start. Um, I do a survivor pool, Andrew, where, you know, you pick a team every yeah. week and you can't pick the same one. Uh, I've just been kind of fading the Cardinals because I think it's smart business. Mm-hmm. Uh, really didn't feel good about things early on. Yeah. And then um, the Cardinals cardinaled it up. I heard the players are playing hard. You know, I mean, I, I think, again, I don't think it's Gannon can't get his guys to play hard. I think they can play hard. It's, again, um, just some of the decisions like perhaps having a little, little better quarterback um, would help a, a little bit on that one. So, um other things around the league, which you have, you have already illuminated a couple of them. Tennessee beating the Chargers. We'll talk about that later in the week, but I think it's a Vrabel win. It's just such yeah. a Vrabel win. And I'm really glad. Loss. <laughs> it, it, yeah, for sure. And I'm really glad that Tennessee wasn't 0-2 coming to Cleveland because that would have been a backs against the wall type mm-hmm. of game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really like that one. Um, Kansas City, 17-9 over Jacksonville. Ugly. Thought it would be ugly. It ended up being ugly. I thought Jacksonville had a real chance to win that game. It's kind of a bummer. For Jacksonville not to get that one. That was a perfect time to pick off Kansas City there. At least yeah, at least I thought. I, I just I think the whole Jacksonville thing is it's so hard to buy because they just you know, not not only is the defense, you know, not I mean that that the Chiefs being held to seventeen is less about the Jacksonville defense and more about what continues to be going on in Kansas City, which, you know, is just part of what they're what they're doing these days and completely retooling their offense, you know, but um, I, I just, you know, and then, then with Doug Peterson handing off play calling to this guy, press Taylor, who mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, the, their offense, I mean, it feels it's really, today. it feels really anemic. disjointed, you know, like when, yeah. when I, when I would kind of drop in on that game, it was, you know, sort of incompletion, incompletion, you know, then they would kind of pull something out of thin air and then, you know, then it would be another string of incompletions. It just really was never clicking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the Chiefs have a pretty good, pretty good defense at times, but really for, for the Jaguars, as much as anything, it's just like, it didn't feel like they were putting Lawrence in positions. You know, it was like he had yeah. to do it all himself is what it felt like. It felt, yeah. you know, it felt a lot like the old Lamar uh, offense where, 
you know, it wasn't that there were easy answers for him ever. It was always like, what can Trevor come up with was what you were thinking every time he dropped back. So yeah, really disappointed with what I've seen from the Jaguars so far in terms of them trying to make a case to be in that, you know, sort of top tier of the AFC, which is, I think, one of the bigger conversations as we get through two weeks here is, you you, you know, you try and paint a picture of who those teams were. I think coming into the year, you would have said the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills are sort of the three teams that belong in that top tier. I, I you know, I think I feel pretty confident in assuming the Chiefs will continue to stay there as long as they've got the guys that they've got. You know, it's mm-hmm. just a matter of figuring out the details. Uh, you know, even though the Bills won, I think you still saw some of the same stuff that has that, that plagued them last week. It's just that they were playing the Raiders this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that, I think there's question marks next to Buffalo and Cincinnati. And so then the then the you know the point I'm making here is that there's you know there is some some space at the top of the AFC, and I think Miami you know is currently making the most convincing argument to be that sort of next top tier team because they are. You know, they took care of business last week against the Chargers, put up a ton on offense, and they're they're currently taking care of business against the Patriots, uh, 17-3 as we're speaking. Um, but I think, you know, this is a Browns podcast, and I think the Browns belong in that conversation if they can do what they expect are expected to do against the Steelers tomorrow night. I, and I don't, you know, I'm not saying that they have to win by 20. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites. Go into a hostile environment in a primetime game and get a win and you are in that conversation. Yeah, we'll leave it with that. I don't think we need to cover any more of the league. We'll do that a little later with Jordan Zern. We covered the game that mattered most to us, and uh, obviously keeping kind of our eye on Tennessee because they are looming. That's right. Uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get to digging into them by midweek. So uh, a lot of interesting storylines going on early in the AFC North. Uh, it is a huge thematic thing here of just take care of business. The Browns are better. Uh, we're going to talk to Brad Ward in just a minute and go through our game day routine, but like they're the better football team and this would go miles for them to show up in Pittsburgh and win. And I have said, I would love, you know, it would be a great outcome for them to dominate in the same fashion they did week one, but it is, it is truly a house of horrors for them. That's right. So go win. However, yeah. the win can happen. That's right. And I think that you'll put yourself into a really, a really fun early season spot. We'll leave it at that. Andrew, uh, it's always a pleasure, buddy. We will catch up uh, and do it like we do. We'll get more granular on the rest of the league with Jordan midweek. But, uh, but, uh, you know, always good to to cut up the monotony of a Monday morning with some around the league talk because there was some really fun stuff. I can't wait to talk about Jordan Love. I I posted on I cannot wait to talk about that. About that, that. I can't even describe it. I'm just going to save it. If you want to check it out on my Twitter account, I can't wait to have some banter on that. So uh, always a good time, buddy. A pleasure, Jake. And yeah, it would be great to break down week two all week um, with the Browns, but also with the rest of these teams to just kind of see where everything shakes out. All right, man. We'll catch up with Andrew, uh, obviously, tomorrow on the show. You'll hear that in our postgame show, and then he'll be with us throughout the week. Uh, Like I said, jumping over with Brad Ward for our traditional game day podcast information to have you all ready for this Monday night football kickoff tonight. So we're going to hear from our sponsors real quick, and then we'll be back with Brad. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. Listen, the Browns have the Titans coming in in Week 3. There's a chance these guys could be 2-0 and coming back to Cleveland for a home game. You should be looking ahead at buying those tickets, and Game Time is the right place to do it. So why would you go Game Time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, up now with Brad Ward, we're doing our usual game day coverage, all eyes on Cleveland, crossing over with the OBR Film Breakdown. Love to do this. Uh, you know, for game days, I think it gives some good information and in, in a, in a speedy, uh, a speedy element here. So, um, all right, we're going to start, Brad, with our usual weather, but I am very caught. We have gotten some serious <laughs> flack for this. 
we, I mean, between the preseason game that caught rain, week one catches rain with this cloud over. I said before the show, I think we just predict rain no matter what the number is, and then if it doesn't rain, we're not in trouble. I think that's probably the best way we go about it. Just say what the weather forecast tells us, and we'll go from there. Right. Let's do it that way. We are not. It's a disclaimer. We are not held responsible for any weather miscalculations um you know by your local meteorologist totally agree uh so i've looked a couple different places just to be sure here and uh but accuweather right accresure this is at the stadium in pennsylvania uh by the hour so just as a forewarning okay jake you as well let's just everybody get out there Mm -hmm. it may rain tomorrow during the day they expect most rain to be cleared out by kickoff in fact According to AccuWeather, there is a, and this is almost <laughs> laughable, but there is a 0% chance of rain at 8 p.m. in Pennsylvania at the stadium tomorrow night. So, um, yeah, All right. uh, hard to believe, but that's what it's, that's what it tells me here. So, uh, 64 degrees is going to feel a real feel of, uh, 62 degrees, seven mile per hour winds west, west, northwest. Uh, gusts up to 10 miles per hour, humidity at 68%. It can get as low as 50 degrees tomorrow night, but probably not until uh, the wee hours of the morning. And hopefully this game is well over before then. Let's hope. All right. We're, we're saying there's always a there chance. There is a chance. The number yeah, is low. It may rain up till like, you low. know, 5, 6 o'clock, but it should be out of there. Well, just to give you an idea, there's a 22% chance of rain at 7 p.m. and zero at 8. So... It's going to clear before the okay. game. Got any close. Monday night football coverage. I think we get the A team for the Monday night football crew, right? Who's on that one? Yeah, so there's two games tomorrow night, which is interesting. The Staggers start. They're going to do this a few times this year in the NFL, but we do get the A team at 815 uh, Eastern. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Lisa Salters, which should be interesting. Do we know All how right. Cleveland fans feel about Joe Buck? We do. Hopefully it's a peaceful endeavor let's talk betting real quick and i'm talking real quick we have some consistent numbers that we gave you last week our dart throws at first touchdown score didn't hit anytime didn't hit but we did give you the nick chubb receiving prop and the watson rushing prop i really brad feel like those are good numbers again for let's start with the over under and uh, spread as it currently sits you know we're recording this on sunday night so it could always move uh, i guess in the morning but um, give you give us that if you can. Yeah, it has kind of been dancing all over. It's been at one and a half. It's been all the way at three some places. I've been keeping an eye on it. It is at an even two minus two. Uh, Browns are uh, laying the two in Pittsburgh, uh, which we'll get to more in a minute here. But over under of 38, 73 uh, percent of the bets at DraftKings coming in on uh, the Brownies so far. So that's interesting. Uh, to your point about the the two props that we gave out and hit the Watson rush yardage Chubb receiving yardage those numbers didn't move very much uh Jake so I'm saying go back to the well here over 26 and a half Watson rush over 14 and a half uh Chubb receiving yards we like going back to the well there and the one that I that jumped out to me was uh Njoku over 33 and a half yards uh, Got to like the matchup there, him coming off of not a huge week or anything like that. That number seems a little uh, deflated. Okay, good stuff for you there to take. Uh, is there a dart throw first touchdown score we like from the Brown side? Um, not sure we have to get crazy here, but if they're going to be down Amari Cooper, potentially, we do know that he is traveling 
with the team to the game, but there's still always cautious concern about two days before a game, a groin tweak. But I feel like Cedric Tillman might have a good number in this one. 45 to one Cedric Tillman. That's uh, spicy, right? With him maybe getting, uh, as I wrote about today, and as you mentioned on Twitter that, you know, maybe getting uh, some fill in duty there, right? I think it's interesting. 45 to one. Is there a, a longer shot down near the bottom that you want to throw out? No, I like Aikens again at 50 to one. He's always in play there. Um, Harrison Bryant also uh, actually Harrison Bryant, 55 to one got in the end zone last week. Those are, those are the ones, right? Tight ends are, are popular here. Um, and I think that because of uh, Cooper's injury, 45 to one Cedric Tillman is, is spicy. Okay. I like it. Especially if they, if they don't change up some of those, uh, numbers right if if they're going to adjust maybe Cedric Tillman right from a sure perspective of of Cooper not playing we'll see so maybe get in on that early yeah. when you wake maybe up and listen to now. this yeah. now I want you to cover the trends because we all feel like the Browns have the better team they are healthier in key portions of their team but this is no ordinary game like I don't think I, I we've been stressing this right I, I think we've been stressing it but what I want to do is put the level of uh, unique to the odds being against the Browns. I want to kind of put it in all in one precise package, Brad. I know you have this all written up, talked about. We've talked about some of them, but some of the others are not there. So if the Browns are to go get this win, here's what they're overcoming. So go ahead and, and, and lay those out as best you can. Yeah, it's a lot, right? There's a lot working against the Browns here. Um, I'll be real quick, but I listened to my favorite gambling show, and they were like, how can you not choose Pittsburgh here? The The entire flow chart is pointing towards Pittsburgh. So, <laughs> um, the you know, based based on trends. And, uh, you know, the one of those is, you know, just a week one to week two thing where a team loses, gets trounced like uh, – the 49ers do the team loses by 21 the browns win by 21 in the last 10 years uh 60% of the time the team that lost uh wins the next week uh that's over the last 10 years that's a large you know sample size uh then you've got um you know Tomlin in a bounce back spot i don't have that exact number but it's a trend surely with betters and then we get into the history stuff which is really overwhelming so the two teams uh, all time, right? 78, 61, and 1. Uh, last game came uh, on the 8th of January last year, 28 to 14, Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. So, along with that trend, the Browns have la- only won one regular season game in Pittsburgh uh, in Acrisure Stadium or in their current stadium. And that came uh, in 2003 when Kenny Pickett was five years old, Jake, uh, yep. which is sh- uh, remarkable. Uh, Tomlin himself is 25, six and one against the Browns. Um, the Browns have not started two and O since 1993. Um, Cleveland is favored in Pittsburgh for the first time since 1989. Uh, while playing, uh, let's see here, jump over that's that. jarring 1989 since they've been favored there. Wow. <laughs> know, right. You know, that's nuts. That just speaks to Pittsburgh's consistency over such a long period of time of being a respectable franchise. So yeah, keep going. Let's let's, I mean, again, I want to, we will, if the Browns get it done, we're going to revisit these in the post game show. So uh, continue. There's more, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, so the Steelers also, because they started this year with two home games back to back are uh, uh, up against, there's more trends. The Browns are up against Steelers are attempting to avoid their first Oh, and two start since 2019, but 
they have not opened 0-2 when their first two games were at home since 1952, Jake. Uh, yeah. And then the one that is really jarring is the Steelers are 20-0 and at home on Monday Night Football all time. I mean, that is jarring in itself. I mean, that's just not the Browns. That's everybody. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot working against the Browns here. The regular season record, right? The 2-0 and record. Those are like the, the internal ones that the Browns really have to get off their back. Like, I think Delpit did a double take and he was like, we haven't won in that stadium. Uh, like yeah. when they asked him about it, so did MJ Emerson. He was kind of like, we haven't gone two and O since 1993. So yeah. uh, they were shocked. Some of these guys don't know. Right. And that's a good thing. I think it is a good thing, but there is some, some serious data here that they have to overcome. And that would be just a welcome flip to what have been trends for decades. I mean, we're talking decades. You're talking about throwing out in 1989s and all of that stuff. We know what the odds are here. And I, I just think it's really good to, put those all in one place. So those are your trends that the Browns are trying to overcome as they, as they go to Pittsburgh uh, on Monday. We'll see if they're able to do that. That's going to be, I think pretty important to their season. This game, uh, it sounds silly to say, but it doesn't define anything, but this has a chance to be a springboard and it can for not just getting to two and O, but for this, this vibe around some of these AFC North teams who have sort of packed their lunch, right. For so long. And they need to, uh, they need to solve it. They need to solve it, and they need to solve it with with confidence, and we think they have a chance. So yeah, it uh, should be good. It's a really good opportunity to kind of exercise all of these, like, demons, right, um, on a team that, you know, once again has a lot of new players on it and a lot of younger players that don't have a lot to do with the past. They are favorites. They're coming off, uh, you know, a win. They have some, some, some momentum. Um, I think they're a better team than the Steelers. I, I, this is like that opportunity to really kind of get rid of all this stuff so that we're not reading through these every time they play each other, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. All right, so let's see if they can take care of that. Let's switch over to three keys. So uh, with three keys, we are always looking to kind of lay out how we think the Browns win is the is the the angle here, right? Not both teams, just how the Browns win. Um, I'll let you hit first. So give us your first key to the Browns coming away with the victory in this one. Yeah. So I've got to stop the run, right? The, in the, uh, Steelers loss, uh, 30 to seven against the 49ers, they abandoned the run early, um, and, uh, never really went back to it. Um, and it has to be a bigger part of their game plan. That's kind of who they are. Right. Um, I think, you know, I actually think Jalen Warren is the more explosive of the two backs. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of him this week than than last week. But either way, I think that uh, they will have an emphasis on trying to establish the run against the, uh, a Browns pass rush that looks devastating, or at least did in week one. So um, that's a key. The Browns have to be able to stop the run because the Bengals actually got the run going for a little bit week one and then they kind of self went away from it you know what i mean uh i do they tend yep. to they tend to do that uh sometimes it's kind of a thing with them where they get something going with the run or with mixing but they want to go back to the past before they can really take advantage of what they're going when the run so first key stop the run yeah it's huge because pittsburgh will be down as we know deontay johnson perhaps with a limited george pickens you start to talk about, well, okay, what do they want to do? Maybe they want to double up with these tight ends, Fryermuth. They want to get, you know, some some strength out there on the football field to to go ahead. Like last week, they were, uh, I, I believe, if I saw this correctly, the fewest rush attempts in the NFL last week. So 
Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to be, you have to think they're hankering to get that figured out and, and try to stay in front of the sticks, right? Not put themselves in those long down and distance situations. So um, definitely a key to the Browns coming in with the victory here. I put my first one and most importantly, I think they have to win the edges, right? So to me, not only is this a conversation around how they play, you know, the, the, the youngster plays, you know, I think we've talked enough about Dewan Jones handling TJ Watt, but not, probably not enough about the importance of what you're going to get out of Jedrick Wills against Alex Heisman, but also the Browns need to be devastating, right? The Pittsburgh offensive tackles, Dan Moore, I think is, is the, is the right tackle you're getting uh, Chuck's a core for, I think is playing left. You, you're just, or I think those two could be flipped. I apologize for that. They are flipped. So, the Browns need to be dominant. They need Miles and Zadarius need to be really good so that the conversation is less about those guys on that side, more about the Browns devastating Pittsburgh's attack. And and I think that the Browns have a chance to really make Pittsburgh extremely uncomfortable. I think you would agree with me on that. Uh, you know, a lot of smart people are saying uh, some, some great praise about this defense. We'll see if there's anything Pittsburgh can delineate and pick apart, maybe take advantage of something the Browns didn't understand they were doing wrong in week one, but um, the way the pass rush can get after people, you hope that that trend can continue. I think they need to win the edge, and and I think both sides of the ball are considered there. Yeah, the tricky thing there is, right, like you want to help somebody, and it's, it's like going in, you don't know which side you're going to need to help more, right? And that's kind of where I've kind of been like going back and forth, like to your point about the edges on the offense side of the ball. Like can you chip to help DeWine? Can you, you want to chip and help? Jedrick, but if they're both failing, uh, that's where the trouble begins, right? It is. It is exactly where the trouble begins and can be a bit tricky uh, because, you know, do you keep two in to help there? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's important. If you keep two, then you're only getting three out on routes. And if you're only getting three out on routes, then you start to get into, you know, you don't have enough to beat drop coverage. Uh, it's just it can get overall really dicey. I think, and and that's what you're afraid of is not having enough route game answers because you're too worried about protecting, and then you put yourself into some some really uh, really tough situations on third down where you just don't even have enough answers there. They're going to be on islands. I talked about it, you know, with the last point, you know, uh, with who you help and how you help them and winning that battle. It's it's just can you be good enough on those islands to make it so you can get a football thrown downfield? That's going to be the challenge, right? All right, let's get to your second one. All right. Uh, my second one is make them pay. Listen, I, if I am Mike Tomlin or if I my prediction of what the Steelers approach to this is, is going to be uh, they want to stop Nick Chubb or Mr. Chubb, as he called him all week. Uh, you know, I think we will get more. They played a lot of base last week, I think. And I think they'll play a lot of base this week on early downs. And I think they'll be having safeties up in the box. They're going to come with heavy boxes to chop stop. Pardon me chop and stop Nick Chubb uh and uh Watson's gonna have to throw it well loosen up those boxes he's gonna have to make him pay this is a great opportunity for him to quiet some doubters but mainly also uh to loosen up that run game he's gonna have to do it he's gonna have to make him pay because the Steelers are gonna make him beat them I think and along those lines my second point which builds off of your point there which is they have to hit an explosive like they just flat out have to hit an explosive they missed on two of them um, they had another opportunity that they didn't throw. So there's a, in this game, I think points are to premium. If Coop misses the game, if you are potentially going to see, you know, we know Deontay's out. We know maybe Pickens isn't at a hundred percent. Otherwise he wouldn't have been listed on that 
you know, scouting or sorry, that injury report uh, in any form or fashion, you know, I just think points are going to be at a real premium and getting one real explosive for a big game that puts you into a position, whether that scores on that play or puts you deep into the Pittsburgh territory is going to be really paramount. So I'm calling for one explosive as you know, I, I really do think that there's a chance here that they could hit one. And I think they're eager to try to hit one. They were week one and I expect them to be that way week two. Yeah, great play design week one. Just just barely missed on a couple there. Uh, so think think one's coming, or at least I really hope so. So uh, my third key here, Jake, uh, is they, you know, they coughed it up twice last week, right? Uh, a mm-hmm. tipped ball that looked like a really bad interception, but was actually tipped. Um, and then, you know, you had Jerome Ford cough one up in the rain. Um they didn't really pay have to pay for him because the defense was so good. Uh, I, you know, Pittsburgh, this is a totally different story. You're on the road to in a hostile environment. You cannot turn the ball over here on Monday night football, especially with everything working against you that we already talked about. So that's my third key. Yeah. I can't turn it over. I think there's a huge need here for run game. Efficiency is going to be my last one. If we're kind of pivoting on what the offense is going to look like, if they're going to be more of a throw, situation because they're the situation dictates it. Pittsburgh is putting them in that position. I do think that there's still a world where you can have some really strong run game efficiency that helps you build. And what I mean by that is I'm not asking for the explosive I referenced earlier to come in the running game, but I am saying I would really think that if you can be a team that runs for five yards a pop, that is very efficient in the run game, then you have a real chance to be able to throw some of your play action stuff, some of your RPO stuff, some of that stuff that is a part of your bread and butter to create easy yards. If the run game is effective and Pittsburgh's constantly worried about it, we know how good Cam Hayward is and he's not going to be out there. I think Keanu Benton is fun, but he's not, you know, he's years away from Cam Hayward, right? He'll disrupt a play here or there. And I think again, he's a flashy rookie, but I do think run game efficiency, unlocking the ability to pull the second level with play action, is uh, is going to be really important for them to stay out of. You do not want to be in Pittsburgh against those two edge rushers in a high high volume of third and seven or more. It's just a it's a deadly outcome. And I and again I think that playing this game where Pittsburgh can make a couple defensive big plays and they did last week, Brad. Yeah. You know there were three T.J. Watt sacks that created turnovers off of that. They they yep. did that. They cannot. The Browns cannot afford to um, you know, have that happen to them and expect the same type of outcome. Again, McCaffrey ran it really well, but there was a 75-yard run where he sort of spins out of it, the perfect spin move at the perfect time. And I'm, I like McCaffrey a lot. I'm just not certain I can say that that was 100% intentional at the timing. <laughs> it kind of was a bounce off of that player sort yeah. of scenario. And credit to him, it was a fantastic run, but I just um, I don't know that that was the the, the point. Again, you, you you I would love the Browns to rip off a seventy five yard touchdown run. I'll never argue that, but I don't want them to be a one negative one two two one rushing approach, and then you hit one for forty, and you're like, oh look, they've run seven times for forty yards. They've been fine. Now that's not efficient. I need them to be an efficient run team without Cam Hayward on the field. Yeah, to your point, uh, you know, the, with the crowd noise, you you can envision it right now, and we've seen it a million times. The loud crowd, the the guys, you know, uh, mugging the gaps and uh, you know pressure coming off the edges with Watson back and shotgun and on a third and long is just not a, an equation for good positive things for this game. So, 
It is the single biggest advantage they can have when, when teams are on the field. I don't fear much of Pittsburgh having a huge leg up, Brad, uh, in, in when their offense is on the field in any situation, even short yardage, right? The single biggest situational advantage for the Pittsburgh Steelers will be third and long. Yep. Or if the Browns are buried, somehow they fall behind 13-3 on the scoreboard. That's when those guys up front, their two preeminent studs, uh, their edge rushers, are at a real advantage. And you want to keep those two as much run-pass neutral as you possibly can. And I think that's going to be really paramount to the outcome of this game. So. I will uh, I will leave it at that. I think that we have described how the Browns win this game very effectively. Brad, is there anything else you want to hit on on the way out the door? No, man. Uh, you know, it's an emotional one, big one for the Browns uh, internally, I think. Like you said, a springboard and a way to, uh, you know, kind of prove to themselves that week one was not a fluke and, and to everybody else. And And I think that there's a lot to be accomplished here like to your point where they have the advantage here, I think for the most part in a lot of scenarios. So if you can take advantage of those, uh, this could be a really, really big game for this team. Really big as as big as a week two can get, not because, you know, this is like two teams here that are both one and oh, and you know, think that this isn't, I wouldn't even put it in chiefs Jaguars territory, but for the Browns, it is because yes. it is, it is a chance to redefine some negative history that we've seen for so long and there's already been some redefining by giving them the opportunity to be a favorite, right? And some things like that. So going out and getting that win on top of that to hush the demons, you already got past some of the season opening woes in the past two years, both the Panthers game and opening at home with a win. It's time to continue to bury some of these things. If you want to be who you think you are, who we think they are, they have to start burying some of these things. So it should be exciting to watch. Uh, I will remind everybody on the way out the door. I always do. OBR uh, community is one of the best out there. Make sure you join it. $1 for your first month to test us out and make sure that we are well worth your time. Both Brad and I contributing there at a pretty nonstop basis. And then rate and review the podcast for both of these pods. We always appreciate that. Helps helps Browns fans find the podcast when they search for Cleveland Browns on uh, any podcast network. So we appreciate it for Brad, for me. We we very much hope we get the weather right and you're not mad at us. Uh, we, we're, we're trying our best. So uh, hopefully that goes well. And you guys have a fantastic Monday leading up to your Monday night and kick back and enjoy some Monday night football. It should be a fun game and the environment should be great in Pittsburgh. And uh, the Browns are busting out those all white uniforms. So hopefully they look pretty clean on your TV and hopefully they play pretty clean football as well. So we're excited about it. We'll have all the post game coverage, even late as late as it'll be. We will have some post game coverage on the OBR YouTube and Twitch. So check that out. Stop by Brad. And I'll be there. Andrew Spade and Mike Keefe will also be there. Who knows? Maybe some other special guests will pop by, but until then enjoy your Monday night football. Thanks for stopping by this podcast. We appreciate you and go Browns.